Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, let me just make a statement. We find salvation through the cross, but we need to repent. Amen. And just like the namesake of the podcast, well, we are going to be talking about repent and believe. True versus false repentance. What's the difference? Listen, Christ Jesus says in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, he says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all likewise perish. Amen. And listen, many understand the term repentance to mean a turning from sin, regretting sin and turning from it is related to repentance, but it is not the precise meaning of the word. In the Bible, the word repent means to change one's mind. The Bible also tells us that true repentance will, will result in a change of actions. Amen. So before we get started, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we come today to you with outstretched hands, clean hands, Father, seeking mercy and grace. Hallowed be thy holy, righteous name. Father, we are forever grateful that you are saving us Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, 
loving kindness, and patience. That while we were sinners, helpless, Christ Jesus died for us. And so it is absolutely critical that we have a change of mind where sin is concerned and where you stand with sin. You hate sin. You will not tolerate sin. Christ Jesus says, as a matter of fact, he announced in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. Father, we know that this salvation is a free gift from you given to the one whose life is characterized by sin. All of our lives before coming to Christ was in fact characterized by sin. So when a sinner hears the gospel that how Jesus Christ died on our behalf by paying the penalty that was rightly due to us, eternal separation from you. He took on your wrath, paying the price with his shed blood because we've racked up and stacked up that huge sin debt that we could not have possibly paid by any good works. The good news is that a sinner who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can be saved. They must hear the gospel, Father. In Acts 20, 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, not only did Jesus preach repentance, but so did the apostles. Peter in Acts 2.38 said to them, once he had preached the gospel to those who thought the disciples were drunk, on the day of Pentecost, he preached the gospel to them so intensely that they were cut to the heart. Their hearts were pricked and the people wanted to know what must we do to be saved. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Father, we see that before forgiveness of one's sins 
can be granted, the person must repent. For salvation comes through repentance. Paul, who was lamenting, he was bereaved for his fellow Israelites. Over here in Romans 10, verse 9, he was imploring to them that if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. Amen. And again, in the Gospels, Jesus says in Matthew 4, 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts 3.19 Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. So, Father, we know that salvation is a free gift. We did not earn it. There's nothing we could have done to receive such a merciful, gracious gift from you. But unless the person repents, they cannot receive this salvation. In order for one's sins to be blotted out, they must turn from their wicked ways. Turn in their minds that no longer do they want to sin against you. No longer do they want to be hell bound. So, Father, I ask for wisdom today. Wisdom and discernment to teach today's lesson. I love repentance. Repentance saved my life from a life of sin turmoil, and the lake of fire. It wasn't until I truly was taught what it means to repent because repentant, false repentance is all about saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but then turn right around and do it again. Teach us today, Father, what true repentance looks like. Many believe that they are born again, but they, like it was in my case, has not, have not truly turned from sin. They too have not put on the new man. Thank you, Father, for this day that we can repent. We repent, Father, from all of our wicked ways, all of our compromises and complacencies. Thank you that you have given us that's able to draw breath today, another opportunity to make the most of this day. Bless you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. 
All right, beloved, listen. Today, it is all about repentance. It is all about putting our faith and trust in the one who went to the cross, shed his blood, rose on the third day, seated in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for the saints while he is awaiting to make his enemies his footstools. Beloved, we got to understand, time is running out. Listen, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen. Because we know in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Amen. Beloved, faith is a gift from God that he gives us so we can believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us not forget Acts 1730. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Verse 31. He has set a day in which he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man whom he destined for this task. What task? To judge the entire world and, excuse me, the credible proof who this man is. He raised him from the dead. So we know he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. Matthew 3, 2. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says in Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Amen. We see Jesus over here in Revelation 2.5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Amen. Lastly, Luke 24, 47. Listen, this is the great commission he has given to all of his disciples then and now. This is what we are to preach. If you didn't know what we are supposed to be preaching to the world, here it is. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed 
in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Amen. Beloved, I can go on and on with many, many scriptures that tells us we must turn from this wicked lifestyle, turn from the ills of this world who is run, ran by Satan himself. He blinds the minds of those who are perishing so they won't receive this good news. In order to fully appreciate the good news, we must know what the bad news was and is for most. Romans 3, starting at verse 23. For everyone, because see, this is the bad news. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Listen, good news. People are made right with God when they believe, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish punish those who sinned in times past. Verse 46, For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Amen. In summarizing his ministry, Paul declares, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Amen. We see it is in Acts 26, 20. So beloved, when John the Baptist was saying that we must produce fruit in keeping with our repentance, some say, well, that's earning your salvation. No, it is not, beloved. Let no one deter you from living clean and living holy. The Lord told us we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Jesus tells us in the Gospels that if the tree does not bear good fruit, it will be cut down, thrown into the fire to be burned. 
Listen, living clean and holy is not earning salvation. It comes from the fact that we are being saved. We are supposed to live changed, different lives. No longer living a life characterized by wickedness and evil. We are supposed to be doing good. So, the full biblical definition of repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. Amen. A born again believer in Christ who did not earn their salvation. Once they've come to Christ, their lives look completely different. Paul says in Romans 6 that we must consider ourselves to be dead to sin and our relationship to it broken. That we must not use these, this body as an instrument for unrighteousness, but now to use these bodies as instruments to righteousness. No longer because of Christ are we slaves to sin. Sin is no longer our master. Christ Jesus is. Amen. So, my friend, an unrepented person knows that he or she has sinned. Listen, whether you are a saint or a sinner, the conscience tells us when we do wrong. A person who has not come to Christ, we know what it was like when we did bad things. We knew it. And we knew it was bad. We was not completely clueless. Granted, some things we did, we didn't know it was a sin. But for the majority of it, we knew it was wrong. Not only wrong, but evil. And we knew somewhere in the backs of our little minds that God will judge the wicked. We knew whether or not some of us want to admit it or not. We know there's a place where wicked people go. Because whether or not someone believes in hell, you catch them on the wrong day. They will tell you where you should go. Straight to hell. Go to hell. But I thought you don't believe in hell. Listen, hell is not a curse word. It is a literal place. So, the problem is the unrepentant show no remorse for their wrongdoing and don't feel the need to change. Unrepentance is the sin of willfully remaining sinful. Mm-hmm. Like I said, repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action. Repentance leads to life. We see in Acts eleven eighteen, 18. 
and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Amen. Listen, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then had God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Amen. And for the Jews at that time, they were astonished because Peter was telling them all what happened to him, that how he had this vision. And so long story short was that just like for the Jews, the Gentiles have now received the same Holy Spirit and that repentance were granted unto them as well. And because of that, they glorified God. Amen. The whole backstory to that verse is that the reason Peter ate with Gentiles is because they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and received the Holy Spirit as evidence by their spontaneous ability to speak in other languages. And when Peter saw this evidence, this overwhelming evidence of their acceptance into the kingdom, he had them baptized into the church. This is the explanation he has given to those who objected to his eating with unclean people. Yes, this is the backstory. What Peter was doing was that he was defending his actions in Acts 10 because the Holy Spirit led him to share Jesus' story with a house filled with Gentiles. And as he had barely started, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles and Peter had them baptized into the church. So now he has returned to the church in Jerusalem and had some explaining to do. So despite Peter being the most prominent of Jesus' 12 disciples, the legalistic Jews have already gained significant influence in the church. So this is why it is a good reminder we must always follow God and be ready to defend our response to his leading. Amen. Because we have, sad to say, a lot of religious church folk in the body that if they see you doing something with sinners, they automatically think that you are compromising the gospel. And so if the Holy Spirit leads you in that direction, you don't have nothing to defend. You really don't owe any explanation. We follow Holy Spirit and not man's opinion. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So 
getting back to what is true repentance and what is false. Because unrepentance is a serious sin with dire consequences. The unrepentant live in a state of disobedience to God, unheeding of his gracious call. The unrepentant remain unsaved until they turn from their sin and embrace Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Listen, beloved, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote, Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Amen. That's Proverbs 29.1. To be stiff-necked is to have a stubborn, obstinate spirit that makes one unresponsive to God's guidance or correction. The one who is stiff-necked is by definition unrepentant. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul warned of the consequences of unrepentance. Over here in Romans 2, verses 5 through 7, he said, he said, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. Amen. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow and follow evil, there will be wrath, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. Amen. Listen. That's that's taking it to verse 9. And the cross reference is Psalm 62:12. That says, And with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. Amen. The King James says it like this. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Amen. Beloved, we know when Christ Jesus returns, he will in fact give his reward to every last single person. Mm -hmm. Like Jeremiah 17 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Amen. 
And how could we ever forget Revelation 20, verse 12? And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Amen. So again, beloved, it does matter how we live these lives because that reward, whether we lived a life of evil or repentance, righteous, godly living, well, the test of it all will be the reward we receive. Amen. For those things, whether they be righteous or unrighteous. Listen, there is judgment coming, beloved. The results of righteousness will be beautiful. But the consequences of unrepentance will be harsh. I'm telling you what I know from time of study. Listen, the book of Revelation shows how accustomed, how hardened to sin the sinner can be. Because during the tribulation, after three different judgments of God, the wicked will remain unrepentant despite their great suffering. Amen. I keep telling y'all, Put away all of those left behind books, that series, that DVD, all those DVDs, those movies. They paint a false picture about this seven-year tribulation. Namely, they have the church out of here before this even goes down. And that is not scriptural. And we have the apostate church teaching this madness as well. So there will be no, as they say, tribulation saints. You want to know why? The book of Revelation tells us that the wicked will not repent. Listen, study Revelation 9, 20 to 21. As a matter of fact, let's go there. Listen, verse 20, Revelation 9. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, neither which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Verse 21 neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their deaths. So explain to me again that how when the angel said, do not take the mark of the beast, he could not have been speaking to the church because the church is out of here before this seven-year tribulation. So our question is to them, well, then to whom was the angel talking to 
if not the church, who was the angel talking to when he said, do not take the mark of the beast? Well, he was talking to those tribulation saints, those who've who've come to Christ during this tribulation because since the rapture has taken place and those who were left behind, they came to Christ during this period. No, they did not. No. The Bible just told us these wicked people repented not. Of their murders, their sorceries, their fornications, nor of their deaths. They kept right at it. So we cannot be deceived, beloved. You need further proof? Revelation 16, verses 8 through 11. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Beloved, this is what's going down during the tribulation. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. So who's repenting? No one. And the church is here throughout this time. Listen, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Amen. Beloved, let's go to Revelation 14. Let's pick it up in verse 9, just so we are not deceived about if we are that generation that will be here on the earth when the Antichrist commits the abomination that caused desolation, when he stands up in that unauthorized third temple and declare himself to be God and blaspheme God and all of heaven and those in heaven. Listen, Revelation 14, verse 9. This is how we know that the church will be here on this earth. Because if this angel is telling us to not take the mark of the beast, well, ipso facto, the Antichrist is on the scene and he has now turned on the people and and has instituted this one world currency. So listen. Revelation 14, verse 9. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, Whoever worships the beast and his image and receives the mark of the beast on his forehead or on his hand, he too will have to drink of the wine of the wrath of God, mixed, undiluted, 
into the cup of his anger and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone which is flame and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lord of the Lamb Christ and the smoke verse 11 beloved we we better pay attention and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day and night those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name listen verse 12 here is encouragement for the steadfast endurance of the saints God's people those who habitually keep God's commandments and their faith in Jesus so if the church is raptured out of here who is this encouragement to because we just read that no one repents the angel is saying here is the encouragement for the saints those who habitually keep God's commandments and their faith in in Jesus verse 13 then I heard the distinct words of a voice from heaven saying right blessed happy prosperous to be admired are the dead who die in the Lord from now on yes blessed indeed says the spirit so that they may rest and have relief from their labors for their deeds do follow them amen so the lord is saying because it talks about how those who do not take that mark nor worship the beast well they will be beheaded because they stood firm in their faith in jesus and went to the guillotines willingly and so the message here is that from now on because once that mark of the beast gets instituted we already saw how those who don't take that mark will be beheaded they will die the encouragement to the saints is from now on going forward if you die in the lord no when you die in the lord you are blessed he says blessed are the dead who die in the lord from now on now on from what because once that gets instituted you can't sell you can't buy you can't eat without having this mark so from now on you are blessed so we know the church will be here so anyway coming back over to what is true repentance and what is false true repentance does not regret parting ways with sin false repentance does 
because God grants us a clear view of our sins in repentance. We don't regret the loss of them. Nope. False repentance is characterized by a continual longing for the old life. Quote unquote, the old sinful life. Because although a person may may have made certain external changes in their life, their heart is continually drawn back to the sins they miss. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. So beloved, I have a question for you. Although you are in Christ, do you secretly or openly long for your old life? Do you look back like Lot's wife in longing about all the good time fun you had, but now that you are born again, woe is you. You can't continue to smoke that weed, go to the club, sleep around. Are you upset about that? Are you upset about the fact that your circle of friends are now next to nothing? It's not even a circle. It is barely a, a, a dot. Are you, are you angry about that? Or are you joyful in the fact that the Holy Spirit has put away all and everyone that will cause you to long for that wicked lifestyle? That's why we must examine our hearts to see, are we just giving Jesus lip service or is that heart really for him or is it far from him? Because we are not getting away with anything. Jesus knows exactly where all of us stand with him. Yes. Listen, it is important. To note that this doesn't mean we won't face old temptations as believers, right? There's a constant struggle between the old and the new man. We see this in Galatians 5.17. And this conflict is itself an indication that we have been enlightened by God to see our sin as something we must fight against. Amen. Right, Holy Spirit. We should, once that temptation comes up, we should immediately fight against it. We should be resisting the devil. So resisting means there's going to be some, some, some pushing and shoving back and forth. Do it. No, I'm not. Just come on and do it. No one's going to know about it. No, I'm born again. I'm not doing it. Come on. You know, it feels good. No, I'm in Christ. I am not going back to that wicked lifestyle. I am going to submit myself further unto God. I am resisting this temptation and the devil will flee from you. So it's not 
a matter of, oh, wretched man that I am, we must contend. Listen, we got to fight. There is some fighting that goes on. Right, Holy Spirit? That's why <clears throat> Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. Listen, this is battle gear. We, we are in a war for our souls. So there is going to be struggle, tugging back and forth. Do you not know we have an enemy? And he wants us to curse God and die. You got to fight, beloved. <clears throat> yes, you do. You tell that flesh, no. You have been crucified. So, this conflict is actually good. You want to know why? Because if there was no conflict going on, where is the conviction that, no, I'm, I'm born again. I have Holy Spirit. But if you find yourself having no remorse, no conviction, it doesn't bother you if you sin one way or the other because you believe, here we go, once saved, always saved. No, beloved, I'm telling you, that's a false doctrine. It's false. Listen, the good news, okay, is... If we miss the mark, we have an advocate in heaven whom we don't take for granted, whom we don't take God's grace as a license to sin. We have not reached sinless perfection. However, the mindset based on our faith is to go comma, and sin no more. You got to understand that the one who is born of the spirit does not make it a practice to willfully, deliberately, knowingly go on sinning. No, listen, study 1 John 3 and 1 John 5, just so we can be enlightened. So we Okay, fine. I get it. My hand is raised. We may miss the mark, but that's not a lifestyle we keep to continually and habitually missing marks. We are to be growing in Christ, conforming day by day into his image by Holy Spirit. But if we grieve Holy Spirit with the life we are living, well, this sanctification is going to be miserable for you. You will always be struggling with something. Listen, we are not supposed to be struggling with sin. Struggling with sin means you are doing it, but your conscience keeps eating at you and you keep falling back and forth. You know we are to be living holy and yet you are continually sinning. Well, then something is not right in this picture, beloved. I'm telling you what I know. 
personal experience, you can't claim the name and live in habitual, blatant, willful, you ain't even trying to resist nothing, sin. You will be miserable. You will drive yourself absolutely crazy. So, the good news is when we sin, we have an advocate before the Father pleading our case and he grants us victory. Listen, beloved, we rejoice over the death of our sin rather than mourning its loss. For First John 2, 1 through 8 says, My little children, believers, dear ones, I am writing you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one who conforms to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. Amen. And he, that same Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. Meaning what? The atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise be directed at us because of our sinful nature, our worldliness, our lifestyle. And not for ours alone, but also for the sins of all believers throughout the whole world. Verse 3. And this is how we know daily by experience that we have come to know him, to understand him, and be more deeply acquainted with him. Here we go, because there's a colon. This is how we know we have come to know Jesus and the Father. If we habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teaching, teachings. Verse 4, whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focus on his precepts and obey his commandments, and teachings is a liar, and the truth of the divine word is not in him. But whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasure and treasures his message in its entirety in him, in that one, the love of God has truly been perfected. It is completed and has reached maturity. By this, we know for certain that we are in him. Here we go. Verse 6. Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. Amen. And beloved, this is all by the grace of God. 
that I am teaching on this podcast. Listen, I am not here to stroke anyone's ego and pat them on the back and say, you know what? I know you still sinning. I know it's okay. No, beloved, we got to take a stand. Where's the faith? We are not supposed to be sinning. No, by faith, we walk in holiness. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are not, we are not, we are not supposed to be living a life of willful sin. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to glorify the God? Um, don't you want to glorify the Father? With your good works of righteousness in Christ. As you are led and taught by Holy Spirit. Don't you want to live a fruitful life? Don't you want to please the Father? Don't you? I'm pleading with you. Do you or do you not? Want to bring glory to the name that saved our wretched, nasty, disgusting souls. Do you not want to live a life habitually, constantly, consistently, persistently doing good works unto the Lord? Don't you? So... I don't know, beloved. Something just gets stirred up in me. It's like, do we not realize we have been snatched from hell's fire? Are you not grateful for that? I'm saying this to your shame. We should be more grateful to God than we truly are. All of this part-time Christianity. One day I'm on fire for the Lord, but the next I'm not. I'm always in my feelings. Why? About what? Life, Cynthia, don't you understand? Life, bills, spouses, children. Money is funny. I'm not feeling well. All the more rejoice. In spite of all of that, count it as joy nonetheless. Why? It's building up your patience and your faith in Christ that no matter what goes down, I'm going to remain faithful to Jesus, enduring until the end. This life is temporal. It's but a vapor. It's not going to last forever. But that soul living in eternity will, will someplace, either the kingdom of God or this lake of fire. And we make that choice daily. Which road, thank you, Holy Spirit, which road we will walk on today is it going to be the narrow path or the broad, the broad, wide road that leads to eternal destruction? Beloved, I'm telling you, this life will be over just like that. Before you know it, someone will be pushing up dirt over your skeleton 
Before we know it, we will be out of here. So, daily, we must commit ourselves to Jesus and produce good fruit in keeping with our repentance. If we, if we say we are born again, then the life should reflect that you have been born again. There should be, yeah, listen, this is big sis, grandma, auntie, whatever you see me as. I'm, I'm, I'm waking us up to the reality. We got to do better than we are. We must. It is a must. We must live clean and holy lives. That's it. We must be on one accord that we serve one Jesus Christ. We are part of one body, the ecclesia, the chosen ones that have been called out of darkness into the light. We don't pay homage to the bishop and the pastor and his first lady. We don't claim nobody's unbiblical sinful church that practice the schism. They practice division, factions, and heresies. We are to follow Jesus Christ, not Pastor Pete, not Bishop Jones, not Deacon Willie, none of them. We follow Jesus Christ. We are part of one body, edifying one another in different ministerial gifts that Jesus gives, not some seminary school that now going to coronate you as the pastor and the bishop and the apostles. Mere mortals do not give out these gifts. I don't know if you realize this. Well, I've been ordained by who? Seminary school, da-da-da, by bishop, da-da-da. Really? Last I checked, only Jesus gives out these gifts. See what I'm talking about? Beloved, we gots to wake up. Again, where is your faith that no matter what's going on in your life, we walk, we are walking toward eternal life. So that means whomever, whatever, gots to be thrown out the window, then so be it. As long as we are living and breathing for Christ Jesus, he's our Lord. Listen, these bodies are not ours. They belong to the Lord. He bought them with his precious blood. So if he says, do this or don't do that, we do this or we don't do that. Amen. So, true repentance hates sin. It hates sin. False repentance hates the consequences of sin that's the difference because 
That's what we're talking about today, ain't it? True repentance versus false repentance. True repentance says, you know what? I'm not doing that again. I'm going to do a 180 degree turn and go back to God. False repentance is sorry that it got caught. Crying crocodile tears, but then turn right around and do the exact same thing over and over again. That's not repentance. Repentance starts in the mind where action follows. So true repentance is characterized by a godly anger about the terrible nature of sin. This this let me calm down. This righteous zealous indignation is concerned with God's glory and the flourishing of the image of God in humanity because false repentance is less concerned about the glory of God and more concerned with getting caught. This type of concern is what Paul calls worldly grief, worldly sorrow, because true repentance takes the initiative and bringing sin into the light through confession, since since it hates the sin itself, not just its consequences. Because Jesus says in John 3, verses 20 to 21, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light. He's talking about himself. And does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Amen. True repentance does good works, and we are not ashamed of what we do in front of Jesus Christ. Those who claim the name, but walk in habitual sin, they don't come to Jesus, not really, if any at all, because they know that their works are evil and coming to Jesus means you got to confess that sin. He exposes sin for what it is. It is evil, wicked, and deadly. Amen. Listen, true repentance accepts godly counsel and accountability. False repentance avoids accountability. Mm-hmm. Listen, it should not escape our notice that the Corinthians' eagerness to clear themselves resulted in honesty and accountability such that the Apostle Paul was able to write to them about the situation in question. The repentant person recognizes they aren't, ab- they aren't beyond falling. 
and that they need to be vigilant so as not to give into sinful temptations. Amen. Beloved, study 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. False repentance is often characterized by resentment for authority and confidence in one's own abilities to live a holy life. Sadly, this is self-deception. And the real reason that the falsely repented rejects accountability is that they don't yet want to abandon their sinful habit. In other words, beloved, those of us who teach holiness and righteous living are often confronted by those who claim the name but want to live habitual sin. They want to live in habitual sin and they will come against those who teach that we must by faith walk this sanctification out with Holy Spirit. But they will tell you, you're judging. You mean to tell me you don't sin? All of us sin. We are still, all of us are still sinners. No, beloved, we are born again. No longer are we under God's condemnation. Only sinners are. But for the fact that you keep claiming you are a sinner then you must be because sinners sin. Beloved, the preaching of holiness and righteousness must be proclaimed. We cannot stroke each other's egos <clears throat> and say, it's okay that, that you are living a life of sin. God understands. Jesus knows your heart. Woe is you. No, no, encouragement. You want to know why? Hebrews 10. Let's go to it in closing. Let's take it at verse 24. Okay. This is why we should not forsake the assembling of one another. It don't necessarily have to take place in a church building. This fellowshipping can take place anywhere among believers. The false church pulls out this scripture in fear to beat you over the head that if you don't come to church, you are nothing but some no-count sinner and God is going to get you. The reason why they want you and command you to come to church so that they can further practice the false doctrine of tithing and sowing money seed. It's not about your soul. It can't be. They have broken themselves off from the vine. So they can preach a Jesus if they want to. It's not the real Jesus Christ. It can't be. How is it that they can break off from Jesus, but still preach his holiness? They don't. And this is where we get tickling ear messages from. They don't come from 
real people who are operating in the office of a pastor, they don't take that as a title to to usurp your worship. No. Listen, this is the reason why we should not forsake meeting up with one another, whether it's, let's say, a podcast, social media, in person, at homes, in a parking lot, parking lot. Listen, verse 24. Here we go. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, talking about judgment day, approaching. This day, okay, is the day of the Lord. We know that Jesus is on his way back. So, As believers, born again believers in Christ Jesus, we should not forsake, give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So when we get together, we encourage one another. Why? Because we know the day of Christ's return is fastly approaching. And here's the warning in verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, this is why, beloved, that we should stay around one another to encourage each other to do good works and to stay out of sin. And this is the premise. Thank you, Holy Spirit, of this podcast. This is not a vehicle to condemn anyone to make anyone feel bad, to to judge anyone. This is encouraging and exalting, exhorting one another that we must stay out of sin. Do you not know Jesus Christ is on his way back? And we encourage each other to live lives that are sensible, godly, and upright. In light of who died for us, paying a steep price with his life. Do you not know that Jesus gave up his life for you? That's why me and many others go hard in their ministries. Because we appreciate what he has done for us. And through repentance, we turn around and snatch as many sticks from the fire. Listen, we got the plank out of our eyes. So listen, Hebrews 10, 26, the warning. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth. So the writer's is talking about born-again believers. We have received the knowledge of the truth. So, if we turn around and deliberately keep on sinning after, 
after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, well, no sacrifice for sins is left. You want to know why? Christ Jesus, the last lamb to be slain. No one else is coming to save your wretched soul. No, that's it. Only Jesus Christ. So no sacrifice is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of rage and fire that will consume the enemies of God. Amen. And that is why we cannot be playing around with repentance. It just stands the reason why our enemy, Satan, wants to come against teachings on repentance. It is key. It is vital to have your sins forgiven. Listen, salvation has been given as a gift. But if there is no repentance, if there is no changing of the mind where you were hell bound, once you heard the gospel, the good, wonderful news, There must be a turning of mind to come to Christ to receive this salvation. And by doing so, through his shed blood, we can have forgiveness of our past sins. And then be baptized. Yes. So, our only expectation after having received the knowledge of the truth, and if we deliberately keep on sinning, what can you expect from God? He said in, what is this, Isaiah 50, verses 10 through 11, namely in verse 11, what you can expect from his hand is that you will lie down in a place of pain. You cannot rightfully expect to enter God's kingdom and you have lived a life of perpetual, habitual, settled, knowing sin. No, beloved, I'm telling you what I know. So our only expectation is not heaven. No fiery judgment. God will consume his enemies. Amen. Listen, I'm going to take us over here to Malachi. Malachi 4, chapter 1. Now listen and listen closely. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, proud, self-righteous, haughty, and every evildoer shall be stubble, And the day that is coming shall set them on fire, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Verse 2, but for you who fear my name with awe-filled reverence, 
the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forward and leap joyfully like calves released from the stall. You will trample the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. Do you still think the Lord is playing? I don't. And you shouldn't either. I'm telling you, beloved, we cannot live in false repentance. It's not going to work. True repentance, hate the whole nature of sin. We hate it. That's why we we are committed to avoid sin at all cost. Being trained in righteousness and holiness by Holy Spirit. Do we mess up sometimes? Yes, probably. Mm-hmm. But it's all in the mind. This mind is constantly being renewed. Sin will lead a person straight to hell. I'm telling you, all you got to do, right, is put your sins on the facts. 1 Corinthians, for instance, 6, 9 through 10. Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you keep that in the forefront of your mind, when the temptation to sin comes about, put it on that fact. The unrighteous won't make it in. No harlot, no adulterer, no homosexual, no thief, no murderer, no liar, no divider, no gossip, one that is all about the party, all of this reveling, no reviler, will inherit the kingdom of God. And the way Jesus said, liars, all liars, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. Beloved, we better pull it together. Mm -hmm. We better all pull it together and stop playing with our salvation. Either we are going to be on board with the gospel or we face eternity in the lake of fire. So I am going to leave us with Romans 8 verses 12 to 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but not to our flesh, our human nature, our worldliness, our sinful capacity. Mm -mm. We have an obligation, not to our flesh, to live according to the impulses of the flesh, our nature without the Holy Spirit. 
So Paul is like, our obligation is not to this flesh. Mm -mm, It's not. Our obligation is not to our worldliness, our sinful capacity to live according to the flesh. Mm -mm. Listen, verse 13, for if you are, listen, because he's about to give us a heads up and prayfully a wake-up call. For if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. I don't know how much clearer Paul could have made that statement. He's saying, our obligation is not to this flesh, to live according to the flesh. Because he's like, if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. But if you are living, and this is what I'm talking about right here. This is exactly what I'm talking about. But if you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body, you will really live forever. Amen. So again, this is not about condemning anyone, anyone's lifestyle. I'm telling you what I know from this particular scripture, that if we listen, please, that if we continue to live by the flesh, we are going to die. He's talking about eternal separation over here in this lake of fire. But if we are living by Holy Spirit, if we are on purpose putting to death, and he's talking about habitually all the time, every day on purpose, putting away the sinful deeds of the body, then we will live forever. This ain't rocket science. It doesn't take a genius to figure out which lifestyle one should live. If you are truly serious about coming up out of this body suit in one piece and stand before Jesus so he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is not the time to be walking around in false repentance. Man may think you've pulled it together. You are truly sorrow. But in your heart, a whole lot of wickedness is going on. And Jesus knows exactly the heart. He tells us in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Amen. And and he tells us in Mark 7 verses 20, what is exactly that comes out of a person's heart. Read it because it ain't good, beloved. So stop justifying your sin by saying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Jesus knows my heart. 
Don't you sin? Don't you ever have lustful thoughts? Well, we are doing what we are commanded to do when those lustful thoughts come up. We put them to death. We put them on the facts. We pull it down and make it obey God's word. No unrighteous, unrepentant sinner will make it into his kingdom. Them are the facts. So getting back to Romans 8. Where we at? Verse 14. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance, if indeed we share in his suffering so that we may also share in his glory. Amen. Beloved, listen, repentance is a gift from God. We express contrition for our sins and their offenses to our Holy Creator. But the Holy Spirit must give us the ability to do this. Without His sovereign work, we do not care that we have offended the Lord by breaking His commandments. In fact, we glory in our rebellion. But when the Spirit works in our hearts, we see our sin and hating it turn to Christ. A life of repentance is a manifestation of an authentic conversion. Amen. There we have that. If your life looks exactly the same, living in sin, not glorifying God, then you have not been converted. I hate to break it to you. Listen. I'm not throwing any stones. I'm not throwing shade. I'm telling you what I know. I too was here. I know what I'm talking about, beloved. It wasn't until I really truly met the real Jesus Christ who preached all of this, who said, unless you repent, not just being sorry because you got caught, having a change of your mind that you now hate sin. You want no more parts of it. You want to live holy. You want to live righteously. You want to now please God in everything you do. And you make it your business to live a quiet, holy life as Holy Spirit 
teaches us how to be holy because let us not forget it is commanded that you be holy as I am holy. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you so much for today's lesson. I pray that we all now have a better understanding of what true repentance is and what is false. 1 John 5, 3 tells us, For the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep His commandments and remain focused on His precepts. And His commandments and His precepts are not difficult to obey. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome, that has, that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. Verse 18. We know with confidence that anyone born of God does not habitually sin, but he, Jesus, who was born of God, carefully keeps and protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Amen. Father, down, down in verse 21, we are to guard ourselves from idols from false teachings, moral compromises, and anything that would take your place in our heart. How grateful, Father, we are that we have your word. We strive every single day to walk in the spirit because in so by doing, we will not gratify this flesh. We don't make provision for the flesh. We don't tantalize the flesh. We don't flirt with sin. We don't allow ourselves to be put in situations where we will sin. And Father, if we are doing anything that does not bring glory to you, let us know so we can immediately stop it. No longer do we want to live for this world. We want to live for the life to come, eternal life, all that we do. May we store up those good works for heaven and not keep our focus on this earth. This earth is going to burn up in fervent heat. The day is going to come, whether it be in our life time or not. Nonetheless, the day of the Lord will come where your judgment will be upon this earth. You will deal with your enemies once and for all. And then your kingdom will reign forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for all that you have done for us. Keep us, strengthen us to remain on the narrow road, 
that leads to eternal life. You are the way. You are the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through you. May we, as your brothers and sisters, remain abiding in you, producing good fruits of righteousness. And may we continue to love the brethren and to help our fellow man. May we go about doing good. Give us ideas. Give us creative ways to be a blessing to others. Sometimes the season calls to be still. May in those quiet seasons that we continue to search you out, learning more and more how to be holy. Bless your name, Father. We give you honor. We give you all of our worship today. Hallowed be thy holy, righteous name. Praise the living God. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Well, there we have it. Another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye